nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Kareem Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast, where we're recording this on Saturday night, right after Real Madrid ripped through Ipurua and put in a great performance against Abar, which means everyone is happy for now. We got some good vibes on the podcast, and even better, there's three of us tonight. Not only do we have Om Arvin, but we have Gabe Lezra, which is great because it means less time for Om to monopolize the mic with his tactical monologues. <laughs> Gentlemen, I'm so thrilled to be chatting with you guys. Welcome to the show. Good vibes, Keon, man. Good vibes. I had to throw in a little bit of, you know, kind of just got to spice up the podcast a little bit, create some tension before we start. (laughs) I was going to say, you said good vibes, then you went right at Om, like immediately. (laughs) Om Om has had that luxury of uh, really dissecting these these post-game pods uh, almost single-handedly, so it's nice to have a little bit more uh, flavor. Well, I remember like a year ago, both of you were like, Ohm, if you have more to say, don't be afraid to talk more. Like, you need to be careful what you wish for. Now it's it's just 80% me talking and like the, the... the ninety percent of the twenty percent Keon gets is just him asking questions. So that's, I mean, to be fair, um, it's good. We want you to talk, and that's good. And plus, uh, people, we want people to engage with the show. And when people like write us, like, Ohm needs to shut the fuck up. That's good. They're engaging with the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're here to talk about the Abar game, obviously, and whatever tangents we roll into, which I'm sure will be plenty. Um, it's been a while since the three of us been, have been on the podcast, so it's uh, it's nice to do this um, at yeah. old times. So um, I think I'm going to, I guess, start here. Last year, when we went to Abar, it was under Solari, and it was um, not a happy day. It was Abar 3, Real Madrid 0, and they... It is interesting because we, you know, we're talking a little bit on Twitter on too and on Slack that Abar are a very aggressive pressing team. This year, their numbers have dropped a little bit in terms of how aggressive they are. They're no longer the top of Europe as they were last season, but they're still they're still relatively high in their press, um, and that same press just completely obliterated Real Madrid last season. And Real Madrid and Slory had no idea how to escape it, and they were overrun. And actually, it could have been worse than three 0 but it was only three 0 that was obviously almost rock bottom um, in terms of what was going on last season or close to it anyway. This year, Real Madrid just completely bypassed the press. They, they Just a masterful counter-attacking, transition-attacking um, performance, especially in the first half. The second half kind of... Thing, I guess I, I think the game was out of hand and, um, and Real Madrid just basically sealed it. They were kind of going through the motions. But what did you see... Um, in this game, Gabe, that I think that you know, like that you were impressed with, or things that you pointed out as like really, really important talking points. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the the thing that we have to talk about first is, and what changed since last year is a couple things. But you know, the big one is that Azard came on, you know, came into this Real Madrid team and just put a put in a masterclass at Ipuru, and this is the first, arguably the first game where he's looked almost like exactly like the old Azard from from his Chelsea days. Mm. Yeah, you know, he basically couldn't get the ball off his foot. He completed six dribbles most on the team. I mean, he just looked great. And uh that when you have a player like that to break the lines um and and to get out of a press when you can get him the ball, that is that's a that's a game-breaking player, uh, especially against a team with a high press that that will open that team up to the back and uh, his interactions with Benzema when the ball would get forward on those counterattacks were, were critical. So I think that I think that we have to go into a discussion about Hazard first before we even get into anything else. Yeah. On what, on what did you see, especially from that first half, like to build on what Gabe said? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm going to try to monopolize the conversation anyway. Um, <laughs> Clock's ticking. Uh, so, yeah, so I I, I think... Everything you guys said was pretty much spot on. 
Um, I think it was interesting to see the differences in how Abar were applying the press than from last time. And I think it indicated, you know, the inconsistencies I saw and, you know, the weakness in execution compared to the, to the last time kind of displayed why those numbers have dropped off a little bit. Like it was super clear, like versus um, Solari's Madrid, what they were doing, which was 4-4-2 wing oriented, the strikers marking the the defensive midfielder who was Ceballos that game and marking the near side center back, their far side winger steps up on our far side center back and everyone kind of, sh- they, sh- they shift over to what's essentially a back three and it's man to man the entire time. This game, it, I couldn't tell what their consistent pressing scheme was and they didn't seem to have the same idea of how they were going to mark the free man in midfield. So mostly Casemiro, um, you know, it, they often went just straight 4-4-2, two strikers on the two center backs, leaving a free man in midfield most of the time. There were times when they kind of shifted it around where like the winger would come in and try to mark, you know, Casimir or one of the other central midfielders. And I thought that's actually when their press looked the strongest. And this kind of occurred, you know, the 20th to 25th minute, third goal. But, you know, largely I thought it, you know, it though it was still solid, they were still applying it with a lot of intensity and Real Madrid did a very, very good job of exploiting, you know, number one, the fact that they had a free man and the fact that Abar just didn't seem to be executing at the same level that they had before. So, you know, the, the first goal was not really, you know, that the first goal was down to a different pattern, but the second goal we really had to do with us beating the press where essentially, you know, Abar don't know how to mark the three men in midfield. So they choose the two near side options. Valverde shifts over, you know, and we access him on the far side. We go, you know, we, we, we run down the left. We have all the space in the world down there. Um, Hazard one versus one wins the penalty. And then, you know, obviously we convert from there. Um, the third goal also had to do with us exposing the press in a very similar way. This time, Casemiro was the free man. Again, we play we play our way down to the left hand side. Um, that Mendy makes the overlapping run, and then you know eventually we get to the one versus one situation again, where Lucas Vasquez wins the penalty, and then you know we score, and it's essentially three nil, and that's the first half. So yeah, it was it was very much a case of you know. Abar not being as good, but also Real Madrid very skillfully kind of dissecting, you know, a press that was still competent and finding the weak holes and doing it time and time again. And to me, this has always been Zidane's strength, designing effective press resistance. And we saw that today. Yeah. And that's funny. Like, I think a lot of the, a lot of talking points after this game, a lot of questions were asked about like, is this Real Madrid's best game of the season? I was, I'm kind of skeptical on that. I think, I think it should be noted that this is not an easy place to play. Like this, Ipuru was not easy for any La Liga team. Um, they're very good. They're very organized. They're very compact. Um, we've seen it in previous seasons. We've seen it this season. Um, it's not. It's not easy to play there. So in that context, I think that should be noted. Whereas, like, I think if you if you zoom out and you look at the calendar and the string of games where Real Madrid have scored to, like so many goals and conceded none, this is the toughest one in the schedule out of that that group of group of games. Um, and I, but I think it's interesting to note, um, even outside the goals, and you kind of broke them down, Om, a little bit. Uh, there were a lot of like just pretty build-up sequences. Um, like before Benzema scored his first goal, they found him in the middle of the park, and he has that little nice touch, and he flicks it over the AR player, and then releases it wide to Hazard, darts back into the box. I thought he just did that so well. He's been doing that so well, where he can. He can get out of a tight space, get it wide, and then you just watch him. And he's constantly trying to get free for a header because he knows the cross is coming. And I mentioned this on Twitter. It, it feels like he's somehow gotten better at the age of 31. I don't know if that's if that's you can prove that. I don't. I know it's not like statistically it's his best. It's not his best year ever. But is there's something more impressive about what he's doing now to me? I don't know what it is. I just think like he's so sharp. He's so clinical. He's carrying the team um, to a large extent. Um, today, he obviously had help, but like in other games, he's he's literally carried the team in so many different facets in the last two years or so. 
Uh, I just think it was an impressive performance overall. And obviously, the the first goal he scored, he starts it too on the on the on the left side. Mm-hmm. Nice dribbling, calculated cutback to Fede. Eventually, just you know, is open for the for the for the goal. And then obviously, there were other sequences that didn't result in the goal that were just really pretty. When basically when Hazard was doing all the flicks. And then he gets past one guy, and then he does like a little Ronaldinho shoulder feint, gets to the left, and then does a Rabona cutback. That was really pretty. So there was just like it was a feel good first half. I think the second half it was essentially when a- when Real just scored the third goal, um, a bar started to hold possession a little bit. They started to get the ball to uh, Inui and Orellana and tried to find. Kike and Sergi and Rick on crosses, but I thought Real Madrid defended well. I don't think it was perfect, but they defended well enough to just come away with a convincing victory. Uh, if I can quickly, you know, mention Benzema, I think part of what I'm seeing more of him, basically in 2019, but especially this season, is I've been impressed with his runs off the shoulder. You know, he's still doing, you know, much of that, you know, link-up play work that makes him so important to his Zidane team more than anything. But lots of good runs off the shoulder that I think are really threatening defensive lines. Today, I think the clearest attacking pattern we had was from wide areas playing diagonal passes into Benzema, you know, when he's either on the last line or moving past the last line. So the first goal, um, which I mentioned earlier, was was kind of different to, to the whole press resistant thing. Um was essentially, if I can quickly go back to my notes here. Gabe, feel free to jump in at any time while o- while Omar is going through his, <laughs> his, uh, his, his uh, PowerPoint presentation. Right. So, yeah, it's so if I'm not wrong, right, it's when Hazard picks up the ball on the left, looks up and plays that diagonal through ball to Benzema, who then gets in behind from the left then, you know, works the ball back up to the top of the box. There's a bunch of rebounds. And then essentially he scores. Before that, there was also the offside moment where Benzema was running in behind. Um, I think it was Modric who delivered the ball. And there were also moments when Lucas Vasquez was looking towards it. I thought, you know, that's always going to be a very good way to break down, you know, a defensive team, especially one that's playing with a high line. And you're kind of looking for, you know, against a very compact defensive team, or one that attempted to be, you're kind of looking for these these types of angles and spaces to you know to 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 move your way into the final third. And I thought that was kind of a clear pattern that was really nice to see. It was secondary to the press resistance, but it showed up you know more than a couple times in the first half. And I thought Benzema's movement, you know, both to, I think just kind of sit on the last line and then time his runs in behind were, were really key to it. And that was something that was nice to see. Gabe, yeah, speaking um, of um, speaking of. Uh, angles. I mean, uh, that first goal with all the. I mean, I didn't break it down <laughs> the way Ohm did with because if you know just to get it, the ball into the position where you would get to the, pl- the that point where the play sort of breaks down and you have all these rebounds and players out of position. You need to have a player. You know, it, like the way Benzema is playing right now, he he was able to receive a kind of terrible rebound slash pass in an absolutely unenviable ang- angle and still knock the ball into the back of the net on at a very impossible angle, basically on the shoulder of the goal. I thought that was a really, in- like, very, in- like, spoke a lot about Benzema's both uh, kind of positional awareness and his ability to score from angles and, and places that you wouldn't normally expect him to. Because if you actually go back and, and slow down the series of rebounds and, and, and passes that led to that goal, you realize that when Benzema receives it, he's basically a meter off of the, off of the end line. And there are maybe four different uh, uh, A-bar players that are in that space, including their keeper, and for him to be able to put the ball exactly in the spot where he needed it to be was actually quite impressive. Uh, and for him to remain on side during that play was also quite impressive. So it was an all-around quite an impressive first goal, even though it was the result of a t- completely broken play with lots of rebounds in the middle of the pitch. Mm. Um, I was curious, Gabe, to get your thoughts on the starting lineup because obviously whenever a lineup comes out, <clears throat> especially after a game that Rodrigo scored a hat-trick and Lucas Vasquez is on the pitch, there's always outrage. Um, I, I, I refrain from usually commenting on the starting lineup. I like to see it. Um, 
And obviously, this is a 4-0 victory. No questions asked. Lucas Vasquez was fine. He, he played well. Um, but did you? what did you think of the starting lineup? Did you, were you surprised when you saw Rodrigo um, not play at all? No, I wasn't super surprised. I think that Zidane is going back to his... Uh, you know, at the, especially at the beginning of the season, he was working through a series of, of, of matches where he's trying to figure out what he had in these young players. And I think he's now getting into this position where he, he is beginning to understand what he's got and what he doesn't have. But what he does have is a fair amount of depth on, on in some of these positions. And given that, he's going to want to give, you know, some of these players a rest now and again. And uh, especially with Rodrigo in, in fine form, it's important to get Lucas back into form and, and stay in form as well uh, yeah. and to give Rodrigo a rest. He's a young kid. He hasn't played the rigors of a Spanish match. I mean, going up to Ipurua, it was going to be cold. It's going to be really rainy. It's like, you know, mid-November, early November. I, I can understand it, and I, I thought it made sense. And, and plus, Lucas obviously rewarded that by putting in a workman-like performance and grabbing that. Actually, you know, providing quite a bit down that down that side and, you know, drawing an arguably even more uh, clear penalty than the first one. So I, I wasn't shocked by it. Um, I think <laughs> I, did, I did see a fair amount of people being not psyched about it on Twitter, but I, I understood it. Uh, that all, and, and on top of that, um, the other things I thought about, Rodrigo is about to go on international break. Lucas Vasquez is not going on international break. So this is his last chance to really play all month because I don't, because after that it gets crazy, it gets Sociedad and then Bar uh, and uh, and PSG back to back. So I don't think Vasquez is going to play in those games. Rodrigo may or may not. I I assume he will. Um, so there is also that this may have been Lucas Vasquez's last chance to play all month. So I I got yeah. it and, and he came away with uh, with three points. If I may, I wanted to bring this conversation to kind of just I'm I'm interested in something beyond this game in that Karim Benzema surpass Ferenc Puskas' uh, goal-scoring record in La Liga for Real Madrid. Not his overall record, um, uh, but he's not that far away from it. Uh, mind you, in a lot less games, Puskas scored nearly a goal a game. He was a complete unicorn and, and arguably the best striker the club has ever had. Um, but I want to know, like, Om, you and I did this, that uh, all-time 11 or all-time squad, Real Madrid squad podcast, what was it, two years ago now? And mm-hmm. in 2018, last January, um, I did a, I answered a question in mailbag. Someone asked me to rank Benzema in the all-time Real Madrid strikers, and I put him number seven. Uh, and I'm just, I don't, I'm not sure what to do with him at this point. I think he's, he's kind of blown me away in the last two years. He's, and uh, he's scoring a goal every other game, which is amazing for a player like him. Um. He passed Butrogenio's goal-scoring uh, tally a long time ago. His goal-scoring ratio is also way better than Butrogenio's. His goal-scoring ratio is better than Santillana and Raul's. Uh, I'm not sure what to do with him, but I'm curious to know what you think, where you should go, because I'm also kind of just picking your brains about my book because I'm trying to figure out where to put him now because it's he's, <laughs> his legacy has completely changed in the last year or two, if you ask me. Where do you have him? Um, I think I have him top five. I think it's hard to push him out. So, like, I would say Puskas, um, number one, for sure. I think Hugo Sanchez is probably number two. He's always overlooked, but he was, like, he just dominated the Pachichi charts. He was basically our Ronaldo before we had the Ronaldo. He had, you know, a bunch of single-season goal-scoring records for us. I I think, you know, he, he, he led, you know, one of the most dominant league-winning Real Madrid sides, you know, over a span of, you know, when I'm, when I'm talking dynasty-wise. Um, you know, I guess Raul, Raul versus, I, I mean, I, I don't know if this is controversial to say, but I kind of feel like Benzema has gotten to the point where you, you, you can ask, you know, has Benzema had the better career than Raul? Um, you know, I... I'm not sure exactly the answer to that question yet because I haven't really thought about it. But I think, yeah, I think if Benzema is not number three, which is where you you would think about placing Raul, then he's probably number four. Um, I can't think of too many other 
options that have not only had, you know, some of the peak seasons that Benzema has had, like 2013, 14, 2014, 15, 2015, 16, 2011, 12, but has also had the longevity he's had. I mean, Benzema's outlasted Cristiano Ronaldo, for Christ's sake. You know, I never thought that was going to happen when I saw two of them playing together. So, yeah, he's definitely top five. I find it very hard to argue that he's not. I, Where would you put him, Keon? Like, have it, you think he's changed? I think I don't know. I'm tempted to say it's it's tough for me to say this, but I think he may have a case to that he has leaped Butragueño. That mind you, Butragueño was never a goal scorer. He was just this guy who led that cohort and um, did a bunch of things. I mean, in, but what you? Would you say he's top five, though? Because I guess Butragueño and Raul are, like, the two key guys you'd consider would be over Benzema. But even if they are, like, he's, he's still top five, right? The other one you have to think about is OG Ronaldo, who doesn't have the yeah, longevity. OG Ronaldo. He, yeah, doesn't he doesn't have, have the longevity, game. but neither did Hugo Sanchez, really. But Hugo Sanchez's peak was, like... I mean, vastly. But that's what I mean. Like OG, OG Ronaldo's peak, you would take him over Benzema, right? In like a Champions League final. That's how. That is always how I answer this question. Uh, to me, that's not the greatest way to answer the question, personally, because it's. I mean, we're talking about career value, right? Like it's 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 True. either we're talking about career value or we're talking about you know at their peak. Yeah, you're right. I'm talking about totally- cur- I'm talking about legacy more than peak. So, which is I mean. P- Legacy is always a combination of peak and longevity, but in this case, if we're talking about Real Madrid careers specifically, yeah, I think, okay, I think he's top five now. I think he's top five. This is a really tough question, and this is also the question that we all had to answer for your, you know, team of the decade question. And I, you know, I always thought of this as sort of who had the most. What I, well, I I know that doesn't really exist for soccer, but who had the, basically who had the most wins above replacement, and that almost always goes towards the person who had the longer career, even if the peak wasn't as high. Um, and in that sense, I actually do think Benzema is over, like OG Ronaldo, maybe even um, Butragueño. So I may be more on on Ohm's side. I'm not sure he he actually has had a pretty similar career to Raúl in that. Um, he and Raul, like Raul, it's just that yeah. Raul started started his career like at the beginning of his career was much better. Like with Real Madrid, was much more kind of on his, fire his, than Benzema's uh, was. His peak was but, earlier, and it was younger. Yeah, yeah, and then Benzema's peak was later. But they've actually had very similar careers. But I still think just because um, Raul actually had had longer time at Real Madrid, and uh, arguably he had a couple of years where he his peak was you know, should have won the Ballon d'Or type peak. I, I, I would still give it to Raul, so I think I'd put Benzema four. But, you know, again, if we're talking about, you know, who has the most overall with Real Madrid wins above replacement, that's, that's for me, the ultimate question. And, and that's why, for me, Benzema's probably four. Yeah, I also think, like, I, I, still, I still take Raul over Benzema. I, I do, like, because if we're, I think there's too think much, there's too much, too much time as, been passed and we we're so far removed from Raul's peak which was like 99 to 2002-2003 which was he was at an absurd level especially that 2001 year where he should have won the Ballon d'Or that was he was at such a high level that I'd still take that version um, but so many of us remember the the Raul version that was you know kind of still lingering when Ronaldo Benzema and all those guys joined wasn't wasn't the the greatest version of Raul obviously but I also think like I when if you if you put some of these strikers and just swapped him for Benzema in this Ronaldo era, there's only a few that could do it. Like OG Ronaldo, I don't see how he's compatible with Cristiano at all, for example. I don't know how that would work. But Raul and Butragueño, you could put in that role and they would do fine. And I wonder how how much, how much well they would do in their peak alongside Ronaldo. That, it's an interesting question. It's, a, it's an unanswerable question in many ways. But I just think it's interesting. And like the part of the reason I bring this up is that uh, Benzema, basically, the main point of all this is that in the last two seasons, he's been unbelievable. And um, to a point, like, I don't think it's his peak. But um, you and I sometimes talk about this, about, like, even though certain athletes, they don't have their peak at the end of their careers, but they have their most impressive years at the end of their careers because it's, like, all the experience, all the wisdom, all the knowledge, all the all the kind of just knowing where to be 
knowing how to play, just playing it simple, but also playing efficiently, all that comes to fruition at the end um, if you play your cards right. And Benzema's fitting that mold to me right now. He's doing everything right. It's kind of the way like Modric's peak was not the year he won the Ballon d'Or, but it was so impressive what he did to carry Croatia, to carry Real Madrid the way he did. Um, and and you can go down the list with LeBron James and Michael Jordan, kind of like the way. I was they, about yeah. to mention LeBron, yeah. Like basketball, exactly, yeah. is a perfect example of this. Yeah. Yeah, like I would say LeBron's peak was probably 2013, in my opinion. But then also, like, could he and could he have done that as that player? Like, what he did in 2016, could his younger version have done that? Could he have like done what he did in 2018 in the playoffs as that younger version? Like, I don't know. Like, because there was a certainty about LeBron later in his career that like no matter the situation he was just going to get it done because he knew how to get it done he had done it you know he'd done it before and I I kind of feel like with Benzema like with all the kind of iterations of Real Madrid he's seen and with all the styles that he's played in that he's I think gone through some really tough patches and he's managed to get over them particularly the 17-18 season that at this point he just kind of knows everything he needs to do you know whether he's playing with the young guys whatever systems Zidane's deciding to employ you know whether he needs to move deeper whether he needs to run more off the shoulder like we saw you know versus Abar I think the experience factor is definitely huge and I think he's still young enough like I I would say he's on the decline but he's still only 31 to the point where like his his physical ability is still at the point where like he can play close to that peak level when everything clicks for him as it is now um, anything else on this debate or should we just go back to Abar? I think we should go back to, you know, the game that this podcast is about. All I right. agree. Um, I think we should talk more about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we'll have plenty of opportunities to talk about the NBA. Also, this has barely been a debate. This has been like aggressively agreeing with each other about the same question. <laughs> yeah, this is. This Someone is, should have taken a more aggressive positions. Like, I don't think Benzema is even in the top 10. Someone Benzema that, sucks. that that sucks. Benzema, Benzema can't, can't score goal. That Benzema can't, can't score, goal, score. score goal guy is right now listening to this podcast. In his like face <laughs> is purple. And he's swearing and he's screaming and he's not happy with this discussion. <laughs> I have seen a weird amount of like, I, I, this is just going by like managing Madrid mentions, but like I've seen a weird amount of like negative Benzema comments the past couple of weeks, which. Usually when Benzema is playing at this level, you just don't see it. Like the 2015-16 season, you just hardly saw a negative word. But like I'm seeing it now and it just doesn't make sense to me. Like his statistics are good. His performances on the field are also good. Like I, I'm not sure where it's coming from, but I guess people are just, just a little tired of praising Benzema, so it's gonna come back regardless. But yeah. I think it'll so also come so- back because last year the main criticism of him was that he wasn't scoring in big games and all of his goals were coming in the games that quote unquote, you know, were not that important or whatever. Um, that's a fair criticism. I, don't, I think I I don't know if the statistic held. I mean, first half end. of last season he was bad. I mean, so that's fair. He I don't know if he scored against the top six last season. I know at some point during the this season in the middle of the season or towards the end that stat was true. I don't know if it held all the way through to the end, but that was a that was I think a fair criticism of him last year. Um, we'll see this year. We haven't had what would you say our biggest game has been this season? PSG, not great. So there's, you know, I, I I bet you this will come back with a vengeance as soon as he has a bad game against the big team. But mind you, like he's always played well in Clasico. His Champions League goals speak for him for themselves. Yeah. Um. So, but I, you know, I think the main criticism of him in the past year or two has just been that he hasn't scored in the big game. So. Um. I mean, the Sevilla game he scored. He did. So I mean, that was that was a pretty big game. Sevilla was number one at the time. Atletico was another big game, and I mean he didn't score, but I'm not sure. I I think maybe what I'm saying. Nobody scores against Atleti. There's no no hard feelings there. Nobody scores. They 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 have one win this season, and they're like first place. (laughs) They just. I think part of the part of the all I'm saying is that I don't think that PSG was the most important game at all this year, especially it was the first game in the Champions League group. I agree. It wasn't the most important, but I think it was our toughest test, and I that was kind of the lowest point in the season so yes. far, where everyone just there was like an inquest, and like since then it's gotten a little better. I mean, we can we can discuss like the full season retrospective, you know, I guess towards the end of the pod since we still have more of the game to talk about. But we, yeah, we can I mean, just I we can say, do a I mean we'll do a full like um, 
half season retrospective show in like January or in December or whatever, but not now. Um, all right, well, I guess I we meant can move just on. To, I meant just to like because now there's a lot of talk about. I mean, I guess this is going to come in the questions, but like you know, are we back? Type questions, and I guess to answer that, you kind of have to discuss everything that's happened this season so far. But yeah, yeah. back to the back to the A bar game. Can we commission you to write uh, an article? Um, why Zidane is destined to win the treble, just to see how long that lasts, and then as soon as our next <laughs> loss comes, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll bring out the the Zidane out uh, articles. This is just obviously <laughs> we're not serious, but uh, a lot of people will will just will take things so wildly differently from week to week. But I think it it's an interesting question worth pointing out in that I think it's worth just looking at the schedule. Um, in all these games we played in, I still think a bar. Yeah. That's why I said we should do it at the end because, like, now that we're going to discuss this, we'll get into it, and like, that's like another twenty minutes. The I time- mean, I'm cool. Sorry, Om wants to. Well, Om has some ranting he wants to do about the second half. Apparently, so let's let no, him. No, I that. mean, it's not that. I just like I'm cool if we want to do this now. It's just like, I mean, when are we going to get to the rest of the game? Though is all my question. This is just my question. <laughs> like, because it, frankly, I think the things we're discussing now are just more interest are, are interesting enough or more interesting than the game that like we'll just forget about it and just go to the questions. that's okay like, we go with whatever is more interesting and i and i bet yeah. you um i bet you a week from now no one will remember any of this tactical analysis from the a bar but they'll be thinking about our benzema discussion for the rest of their lives like wow that was great i now <laughs> now i'm gonna go and research and and figure out where where his legacy is but but let's look talk, talk about the schedule because I think if you truly wanted to do, um, uh, I guess, a mid-season reflection on where this team accurately is, it's really after the Classico, if we're being honest. Because the yeah. Classico got moved to a point in the season where it's essentially the half... It's not It's not technically the halfway mark, obviously, but, but essentially, yeah. it is essentially after every difficult game we've had in the first half of the season. PSG twice, Sevilla, Atleti, Real Sociedad... Um, and I believe we have Valencia right before Barca, which is always a difficult game. So that's essentially the measuring stick to me is after that no, game. No, I, I agree. The only reason I brought it up was because there is a lot of, I mean, this isn't a surprise because we've, you know, blown away Galatasaray, blew away Leganes, and now we blew away Abar. There's a lot of talk about like, you know, why, I mean, I, 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 mean, I sent you that tweet, right, Keon? It's like, Zidane is the greatest coach in the world. Why was there ever questioning? I think there's like worth putting some of the performances yeah. in context. But, that guy yeah. was waiting all season to tweet that he was he was probably <laughs> i i don't know who this guy is but he was definitely like on his computer silent for two months and as soon as this this moment arose he was he tweeted that i just think that there's so much there's going to be so much more up and down to the season and we've seen this after the psg loss every the it was we told you zidane needs to to leave he can't move this team forward and now and now it's like we told you zidane is the guy to lead the ship um we'll see but I, I think it's worth noting that like as much as we want to say that Galatasaray are terrible, Leganes are terrible, and they are, I don't think that's any exaggeration. Um, the one game that Real Madrid didn't score and their XG was two point something, they should have scored, yeah. they should have had a penalty. Um, and and all these this entire stream and of they games. Had a VAR, remember they had a VAR uh, a goal take a, a goal taken away on VAR that was incredibly close. The hazard one like, or something yeah. else. Yeah, the Hazard goal in the first half um, against Betis, right? It was. I think he was offside, wasn't he? he? Yeah, no, he was, and the VAR, and but they had awarded the goal, and then the VAR took it away because he was, but he was offside by like absolute millimeters to mm. the extent where, like, you know, in a, a different period, that's a goal, no question. So it's like it's not like Madrid played badly. Uh, in I mean, that. someone I needs think, us I mean, to get us the Premier League VAR so we can at least get some. Um, some points in our favor that we didn't deserve at the amount i i just I mean, but this is kind of i mean this is kind of what i was saying i mean this is why i also said like towards the end because i mean i have i think there's some debatable points there like one i think things people are pointing out is right like the clean sheet run that we've been on that's um, worth pointing out you I know think. like i that's you know that's good right but i think you like, how do you discuss that isolated from, like, the opponents we face, right? Like, you can only beat the opponents put in front of you. And I think it is inarguably a good sign that, like, when you face a terrible team like Galatasaray, the most you can do is, is blow them away. And that's a good sign. But at the same time, like, I don't think that necessarily means that, like, all our defensive issues have been solved. And that, 
there's been something critical done that's that's like changed things on the defensive end, right? It's not very long ago. It was four games ago in the first game against Galatasaray where our defensive compactness was all over the place. And it was just a simple fact that Galatasaray was so bad that like they just had no ability to exploit. You know, Keon, you and I in the first half versus Real Betis, we were talking about how, you know, you know, under Setien, there were, you know, there were some mechanisms that would have definitely taken 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 advantage of some of the weak compactness we had in that game. And while overall, because especially of that second half, we should have won that game because of the chances we created, you know, defensively, it wasn't necessarily the greatest. And that was only that was only two games ago. That was, you know, right before the Galatasaray game where they blew them away. So, like, it's been kind of up and down. But, you know, we faced... We, we, we faced opponents that where it's basically not necessarily mattered that it's been necessarily up and down. I don't think the performances have been as clean and as linear as, as some people are pointing out. Like there has been some like there, you know, there has been some variance there in how we've been performing, which is why I think it's worth, you know, pointing out and just kind of looking back a little bit at, you know, at those performances, right? Like there's, cause I mean, you could also say, right. Like people have been pointing out that Courtois basically overtook Kaylor Navas's, you know, clean sheet record with these past runs of games. And like, mm. it's worth putting that in. Like, I, th- I think Real Madrid fans would rush to put that into context, right? Because to say Courtois has been better than Navas, like I think people would freak out at that. So I think it's also worth putting some of the like performance context as well. Like, so, and I'm only saying this, I think just to, just to, I think, bring people down to earth a little bit, not to be like that. I think actually we played terribly this entire time because I think, largely it's been good i just don't think it necessarily indicates that everything has been turned around completely like we mentioned the only way we'll be able to tell is after we see you know all those games and we sit in january and look back at the first half of the season i'm basically just saying wait and see whereas a lot of people i think are are looking at this and saying you know that's it you know we're on we're gonna win the lead blah 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 well so here's why i think you can be optimistic um the numbers are good. The numbers are really good. Now, like with the caveat that like we're going to revisit this in December after the Classico to see just how good the numbers are going to be after that tough run. But they have the second best expected goals against in the league um, after Atletico. They have the second best goals conceded in the league after Atletico. They have the highest XG of the, of anyone in the league, including Barcelona, who scored eight more goals against eight more goals than them. And you assume that Real Madrid might catch up to their XG just because players are more informed now, namely Eden Hazard. Um, some of the kinks from earlier this season in terms of lineup selection are starting to to iron themselves out. In that we had no idea what was going on at the beginning of the season. Um, we had Bale and James start the first few string of games, which is fine because they played well. Um, Hazard was out of form. Now you have Fede Valverde emerge. We didn't really have that at the beginning of the season. We have Rodrigo emerging in a role that gives us, um, knock on wood, reliable goal scoring. We I hope are at least reliable offensive production when he uh, plays. When Bale, I'm don't, I'm not saying I'm not jumping the gun. Trust me, but I'm just saying like we, we had concerns, right? Like who's going to score? Who's no? I mean, there are there are reasons to be optimistic. Like I don't disagree. I think more than I think something that's really understated as a reason for optimism, which I held. You're closer to the beginning of the season is that well our, our our main competition for winning the league just aren't very good at all this season like Barcelona you know have not been getting as much luck as they usually have the past couple of seasons like an underrated you know reason for why they've been winning is they've just been getting extremely lucky and Ter Stegen and Messi have been saving their ass Atleti look the worst they've looked in the Simeone era so like and then like you mentioned we have players coming into form I just think like the specific decision the specific like point that like especially defensively that it seems that we've completely turned things around especially because of the last few games where we played Leganes where we played Galatasaray I I don't know if really like just watching it like I I mean I'd have to understand like what you're pointing out that's necessarily changed structurally because you know if we look at the 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 first game against Galatasaray we look at the game versus Betis I just don't really see the argument for that. I mean, the second half versus Abar like was by no means bad, like you were saying. But to me, there were enough kinks where I think the offense is flowing enough where we're blowing teams away. Where you know that's just how it is. But I don't know if defensively, I'm seeing some huge change here. 
you're I'm seeing a little more defensive energy. I mean, I know that this isn't I don't think there's been in the Zidane era, I I wouldn't say that there's been like a concrete uh ever been a concrete decision to make a tactical defensive shift. Like he does it occasionally, but not that much. And and really he relies on player motivation and energy to make sure that everyone is in the right spots and constantly mentally turned on in order to play on their defense. And that's one thing that we have seen a little bit more. And and I agree with Keon that some of the stats that actually bear out the notion that Madrid is playing better, not just on offense, but also on defense. I mean, if you look at the, like, the other team's expected goals in the games that we've played, they've all been very low. So um, I, I actually think it's, you know, probably more just, perhaps that the defense is, is beginning to round into form in addition to obviously playing against slightly worse teams. Yeah, I think so. And I um, <clears throat> I guess it is true that like when you look at Real Madrid's defensive structure, especially in that first game against Galatasaray, uh, you can also trace it back to the Mallorca game. I think in those two games in particular, they, they stand out to me in the sense that if there was a better team building up from the adapt, from the back, they would have, I think, exploited us uh, much worse than we were. Um, I don't know how we went into that game in Turkey uh, and played against a, an opponent that opened up as much as they did and were without Falcao and still managed to somehow um, nearly score against us a bunch of times. And we, I'm, I'm just glad we came out with a win that, that day. Against Mallorca, Mallorca did nothing offensively, and we still lost that game. We just didn't have enough firepower. But I think it's worth pointing out that these are the teams we. These are the games we want them to win to win the league, and not only win, but just blow the opponents out of the water. So, like this is, they're all good signs to me. I'm, yeah, I, I agree, will say this. Oh, I'm I, like, oh, I'm more optimistic now than I was a month ago. I, 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 I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm more optimistic my, now. Like I think, I mean, I predicted Real Madrid second in the league, Champions League semifinals. So if I was to predict, for example, that we go on to win the league and we do well in the Champions League, it's not really. And I, I'm saying I predicted, as in like we all did those uh, preseason predictions that um, the the roundtable that we did. So I mean, that's set in stone. Um, so it's not like I mean, I am feeling better about this Real Madrid side, but considering where I predicted them to finish, that's not really very far off from yeah. what I was saying before. I, I just think with Zidane, there's so many ups and downs, right? Like, that I just wouldn't be surprised that, yeah. you know, we go into the game versus Sociedad and people are suddenly asking, well, you know, why did we concede? Or why does the defensive compactness not look so great? Or why does the pressing look a little off? And then versus PSG, suddenly we go there and we lock Neymar down. Like, I've seen this enough times yeah. to where... It's a high-ceiling, low-floor team. Right, like, where I don't think this is necessarily... Indi- this is not, I don't think, indicative of this is going to be a consistent thing going forward. I think, more than anything, what this tells me is that offensively, we've got some good things going, especially with Hazard getting back into gear than necessarily, I think, defensively. But overall, like, I think this is a bright period. I just think it's wrong to think that, like, this is huge evidence for that. You know, this is it. This is going to continue for how it is for the rest of the season. Because I've never seen that in the Zenon era. Even the 16-17 season, it was, no, no, yeah. you know, very good wins. And then, you know, grinding it out with late goals, you know, from Ramos or Ronaldo or whatever. Or Morata. Uh. Yeah, that's definitely true. No, no one. I mean, I don't know. I don't think he understands. I'm definitely not saying that this is like the way it's going to be from now on or whatever. I just, um, I think it's perhaps more that I would expect Madrid to begin to uh, play up to their actual, like actually, you know, match their expected goal, expected goals, and on defense, kind of uh, retain the kind of perhaps the energy that they have. Uh, right now and if if they can do those two things i think they're in very good shot they 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 will be in with a shot to win the liga this year and I obviously so. the champions league yeah. is a toss up yeah i think so i think i think it's reasonable to say that we're in a shot to win the league but i also and i recognize that i was kind of alone but i also think at the beginning of the season was also reasonable to say that we'd be in a shout to yeah. win the league i mean i i you know i know a lot of People said third place. I Keon, I can't remember where you put them or Gabe. I can't remember, but like, you know, if you say second and then you say first now, like to me, that's not a huge jump. Yeah, right? not like, a huge. Means jump. you've always, 
you've, you've kind of always believed it would be there or thereabouts. Well, and also, also this season has been particularly strange with the, the way that some of the top teams have, have also struggled for the first time in, in a long time. Like Barcelona has I mean, not like, like good either. Messi just, Messi just saved Barca, like, you know, with 2,000 free kicks this game. And Valverde has looked, you know, struggled more than he's he's ever struggled before. So, I mean, we'll have to see how we go with that. And personally, I'm not convinced by Atletico Madrid at all. I think if Real Madrid continue this... And Barca and Messi, you know, continues this. I think Atletico Madrid are going to fall behind. Yeah, I agree. I had them as... Uh, I'm looking at the round table now. I had them third in La Liga, uh, Copa del Rey semifinals, and Champions League winner. Uh, and a lot oh, yeah, of us... Yeah, Champions League winner, yeah. yeah. I remember that. I think me and only... Oh, Citric was definitely on something that day. He's predicted the trouble. I think we were the only ones who... Uh, he said he always predicts the treble, so it wasn't really like him predicting, but just like yeah. being hopeful. Yeah. Um, you and Gabe had them second in La Liga and then Champions League semifinalists. So, yeah, I mean, we're all kind of, I think we're all in the same mode that, like, you know, it's, it, with this team, who knows? It could be a bit of anything. I don't, we wouldn't be shocked if they go out and they dominate a Champions League final. I think they have the ceiling to do that, and we wouldn't be shocked if there's a, an earlier exit either. That's the, kind of the reality with this team. Um, Zidane has a good track record in big games, though. There's no question about that. So uh, I think that's where I that, that's where my confidence came from. That's why I yeah I wasn't so certain about them doing well in the league. So we'll see. Uh, you guys still have desire to talk about this actual game? <laughs> I have. I mean, I just have a couple of things to say. Okay, I mean, go for it's, it. Most of the stuff happened in the first half. Well, I mean, I talked quite a bit on the past, like. I don't know, 30 hours. So I don't know if Gabe wants to jump in with some notes he had. In the second half? No, I mean, other or than... anything other, overall, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think one other thing that I wanted to mention is that uh, Fede Valverde um, is a rock, and I love to see... I love seeing him in Madrid's lineup. He is... He's so far surpassed all the expectations that I had of him, and uh, he has been fantastic to watch. And... You know, one of the things that he has been able to do very well is kind of, you know, do almost a Croatian type thing of having his own pace of the game and being very, uh, very in rhythm and break, you know, be around and running around to break, break through lines and finding people in different positions. And he works well with Modric, works well with Casemiro. Uh, and his goal was very Croatian uh, in, in the second half, which was, uh, was very beautiful. So, if he can start scoring goals and adds that to his little, you know, bag of bag of tricks, then he we've got ourselves a potential perennial starter in the future out of Fede Valverde, which is not something I had pin pegged as being personally. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I have like two and a half things to say. I mean, one was just to reemphasize my point about a bar's pressing and you know how we were breaking the fourth goal. I mean. Literally, I think every single moment Real Madrid broke out of the press um, and created something, it came from us finding the free man in midfield when Abar, you know, um, couldn't figure it out. And, you know, their, their midfield coverage was a little thin. So the fourth goal, um, they don't cover Casemiro. Modric finds him. And Casemiro has, you know, a solid three seconds to turn around, look up, s- switch play to Mendy. We go down the left. Um, Mendy overhits the cross a little bit, but Modric is there and Valverde scores. Um, and then I, this is like a comment about our defense. I think really the only good chance Abar had was towards the end of the first half um, when Escalante put that free kick over the bar. And, you know, that was pretty much it. But there were still enough breakdowns where I thought, you know, it was, I couldn't say this was an excellent defensive performance. I thought really our, ironically, our defensive, you know, our clean sheet came from the fact that we just blew Abar away so fast. You know, particularly, I think like the 50th minute, there was like, um, a particularly egregious defensive breakdown where like our left left side is just completely open. Hazard isn't there. And then um, De Blas is cuts inside past Mendy and, you know, he's free to do anything. He decides to go for the shot. And there were a couple other moments. I think, I can't remember which minute this was. I don't know if you guys remember it when um, just the channel between Ramos and Ron just completely opens. And I, th- I think it was Enrique or someone who ran in between. There were a couple of those moments spattered in between where Valverde and Modric were trying to press, and you know they found the space in behind them, and Casemiro had too much space to cover. 
but I mean, this is what I'm saying. Like these these kind of small kinks have kind of always been there under the Zidane side, and where I yeah. like where I say like structurally, I don't see huge changes. But what I do see is that we we're blowing away the weak teams like the way we should, which is a very good sign. And when you do that, and you kill games so quickly. You know, it's 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 kind of hard for the opponent then to like play their best in offense and you know come at you and, and you know be clinical and that is a form of defense. Blowing away teams, taking your chances clinically, and putting the game to bed within half an hour is a way to keep clean sheets. And you know that 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 is a good sign going some, going forward, and that is something I believe in, especially because Hazard looks like he's coming back to his old self. So those two defensive sequences that you brought up are two of the three you brought up. Um, one, the Escalante chance. Yeah, going to point out because it's I think maybe a bit taboo right now to criticize Fede Valverde, but I'm going to go for it. He just completely <laughs> fell asleep um, defending Escalante at the far post. Like they, he was with him and then decided to stop tracking him. And obviously, if that's a Champions League game and that's Lewandowski, that's probably a goal. So just something to point out. And the other, the one you talk about about um, about uh, De Blasius going past Mendy. Um, that was a weird sequence because Mendy uncharacteristically just was blown by and Modric was like visibly frustrated that the, that the defensive line was broken. He had his arms out just like pleading to somebody. I don't know who it was that was out of place. Uh, but the thing is like like you said, these defensive sequences are there every game. It doesn't matter if Real Madrid win, lose, tie. I, I can't remember if there was ever a game where we look back and we're like, well, that was perfect defensively. There wasn't like one, one moment where there wasn't mistakes. Um, I guess the good sign is that now, right now, at this moment, sustainable or not, they're they're just overpowering their opponent offensively, and that to me is what matters most because um, they didn't have that firepower last year at all with Lopetegui and Solari to mask anything. So, I mean, even earlier in the season, Zidane was kind of struggling to match defensive yeah. solidity with offensive solidity. Right? It was like initially we we're getting the offensive numbers, but defensively it was terrible. And then he decided to kind of switch around and the offense looked like it wasn't moving. So yeah, in that sense, I think you can you can see like the improvement there. And I think you know, a lot of that I think has to do with Hazard finally coming into his own, but also, you know, fundamentally doing something good tactically that Zidane is great at, which is press resistance. And, you know, you're gonna Abar's gonna press press a Zidane side and not do it perfectly, they're probably gonna get cut apart. Anything else? Any notes that you guys want to get off your chest? This is this is now is now is the time. I mean, I I looked at the game because I I wanted to see if I had something to say about Vinicius. No, you know what? I do. I mean, I think we should. I know we mentioned this, but you know what? <clears throat> Shout out to Thibaut Courtois for getting the new <laughs> minutes without allowing a goal record, dude. Mm. He's been really shaky, but you know what? He has put it, you know, just like Azard, he's kind of come into his own a little bit. Yes, the teams he's played have been not so good. Yes, I get that. But still. He's dealt with everything he's been faced with. So, yeah, shout out to him. Yeah. It's a good run. It's a good run. Um, Just trying to see if there's anything else. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I was going to... I. I wanted to find if there was anything really to say about Vinicius or Isco, but I think the game was just basically so over that by when they came on, you know, it, it didn't really matter. I mean, they were just kind of seeing out the game. Yeah. I don't know if you guys spotted anything in particular. I had the same feel. I, I also had that feeling yeah, with, uh, with uh, Isco's performance against uh, Galatasaray, the 6-0, where I thought he played well, but everyone was, some, some people, not everyone, um, were were really thought this was the return of Isco. And I was just like, at that point when he came in, that game was like literally easier than a training exercise. I think if you put him in a training session, it would have been more difficult for him. So it was, it was just that. But um, So I, I don't really have any notes on the subs per se. Um, I thought Mendy was good again, apart from that one blow by. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that actually is on my notes. I, I was very impressed with Mendy. And I thought he offered a very important you know, escape valve and also a lot on the offensive end that we were hoping from and finally did are beginning to see from him, which is that blistering, absolutely blistering pace and uh, ability on the ball. Very big fan. He, Him and Hazard also really exploited that space behind uh, the Blasis in the first half where they just they were making good runs. And he was, as we mentioned before on the podcast, he's a good ball carrier. Um 
I, I had him in my roundtable and I was just looking it up to see what I predicted. I had him as my unsung hero for the season or whatever it was. Um, uh, I had him. So I, I, I've been impressed with him so far this season. I think he's been good. Um, so we, should we move on to questions? Yeah. All right. Patreon.com slash Managing Madrid is where you go to pledge. Get guaranteed responses to your questions. Get access to bonus shows. We do at least two bonus shows a week. One is your loan tracker. And the other one is your uh, midweek post-game show of whatever La Liga. And the other one League. is Logan barking really loudly. That one is that one is hundred dollar to access the the <laughs> Logan only podcast where he just barks. Um, all right, first patron question is from Oluwapa Mimo Oladonjo. He says, "Hey guys, first of all, Halamari, today's game was amazing and made me almost shed a tear. So many memories brought back when we play the way we did um, tonight." I need to shout out Fede Valverde. I believe it's because of him. Um, the old guards move as well. Um, Kroos and Modric can rotate in the midfield. Hazard is fucking back. Mendy is good at defending. Um, I also love how he's so comfortable with using both of his legs. Um, just kind of cutting this this down a little bit and just getting through the most important talking points. It's a long question. Um, he also goes on to say, Casemiro has become way better with his ball control and passing. I love him so much. Kiko Casilla in Leeds has lost all my respect in a twist and turn in this question. Um, and and uh, I do not tolerate racism one bit. I'm glad he left and cannot tarnish the Madrid name. So let's just quickly in, interject here and bring some context to this and why, why the hell all of a sudden are we talking about Kiko Casilla in the middle of this question where there's praise for all the players today. Um, there was... A, in an incident, and I don't know how f- uh, familiar we are exactly with this. I'm not I'm even sure against who it was, but um, allegedly Kiko Casilla um, called another. Uh, he was trying. I believe he was saying to his teammate to mark uh, another player, and didn't know his name and didn't have his number or didn't know his shirt number or whatever, and and uh, basically just called and referred to him as Negro, which is black in Spanish. Um, so. Um, that is a situation why th- why this was brought up, and and I they're investigating it, and I believe that's all we know. I don't know if there's anything else that's that we know about this. Um, we can I guess do you guys do you guys want to jump in and 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 comment on this with your thoughts about Kiko? Um, go ahead. I don't. Yeah, I don't know anything about this. I don't know even what words he said, but obviously, um we should condemn any and all racist behavior. And um, I hope that he gets the penalties that are due to him for, for that. I mean, it's very hard to stamp out racism in in football, but the most important thing that you can do is, is just try to hold people accountable when they make, you know, racist comments and, and you hold people accountable when they're in the stands and you have to hold them accountable when they're on the pitch. So um, to the extent that he, whatever he said was racist, then absolutely. I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure it was, I don't think they would have like actually doing any of this if, if, if it wasn't, um, there is sometimes a, uh, cultural and language barrier, but I think it's likely in this case that that is, um, that the people, anyone who's saying that that's all this was are probably a little bit off base. Like he probably did add, you know, some other context that would, that would make this a comment, something worth investigating and suspending him for. So uh, I, uh, I think that's all I can say other than, yeah, we, I agree. I mean, can't tolerate it, get it out, out of the game. So uh, he faces up to a six match ban in the, in the premier league uh, or the, the second division. Uh, If the, if the investigation um, goes forward and he's, he's proven guilty of the accusations. So uh, Oluwapamimo has a question. He says, um, with the current team performances, what areas would you like to, for the team to improve on? We touched on this a little bit right throughout our, our discussion about the season, the schedule, but if you were to like pinpoint certain things that like tangible things that like, if we don't yeah. figure this out, we're screwed. What would they be? It's always defensive transition. Yeah. No. Yep. Yeah. It's been that for years now. I, actually, actually. Um, I don't think we've been tested enough in the last few games to really know, but it's all, it's literally always that. 
I don't think this can. Uh, this is a this is a new point. I, I don't think it's dramatic enough to say we're screwed, but I, I think we have to at some point find a way to work Jovic into things. Um, yeah. I, I think Benzema is just playing at a level right now where it's completely justifiable to have him as a starter. And Jovic really hasn't gotten that many opportunities, but he's not looked the best when he's taking them. Obviously, one of them was when Isco was playing in central midfield. So you, you got to like take at this take the fact that it's a small sample size and look at it in context. But Benzema is basically on course to like hit like 3,000 minutes in the league. You know, last season he already recorded his most ever. Like, you know, at some point this dude needs some rest. Um, and, you know, ben, as every player does, Benzema will have a point in time where he, ha- he goes through a bit of a rough patch. So finding a way to work Jovic in, not just getting him back into form, but also like Jovic is a different striker. You know, he, he, he does do a bit of link up play. He likes to drop off the last line and play layoffs. But that's kind of the extent to what his link up play is. You know, he, he's not going to carry an offensive structure the way Benzema can. So like it requires playing a little differently and, you know, that's something Zidane's going to have to figure out. Not just, and this is not just for this season, but also for our future moving forward, right? Benzema's 31. Jovic is quite a young player with a lot of potential. So, like, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like crucial to our season, but also many of our seasons moving forward that we figure out how to, how to work Jovic into this team. Part yeah. of me is also really curious to know how this team, how, what, what, what would it look like if they, they actually signed a striker let's say good enough on paper like in terms of star power and brand name to to start what would that look like someone like Icardi and they had to play him the reason I asked is because I remember there was so much backlash right that Real Madrid didn't sign a striker last summer and to the point where like no matter how much we tried to kind of explain it or justify it or say like who was available like literally no one Uh, if you want to get Iguain like maybe you could have but what kind of what version of Iguain is left at this stage? And then there was like maybe Lewandowski, Bayern were going to sell. Who, who, by the way, is scoring like a goal a minute at this stage? But if any Cardi's, Cardi's scoring a bunch of goals with PSG. But if you had to sign that player, my question is, and I asked this to Lucas last week on the podcast, like, would they, where would they even play? Would they, would you be able to fit them in? Um, now that I see how it's unfolding with the way Benzema was playing, I'm not sure if you could even find the playing time. And so part of me like thinks like Jovic's position is tough now, but like forget about Mariano. Like he's just there's no way he's getting in at this point. I think because of the way the team is structured, because Benzema is just such a multifaceted player at this point. Yeah, uh, I'm just curious to know what that would even look like if you were to like. If you were to get someone better than Jovic, let's say theoretically to to score, and Jovic is a great player, I think he's going to be. I have faith in him. Um, would they even play? Like, how would you even fit them in? It's kind of I a think, separate discussion, tactic, but right, ta- tactically, some things have to change, right? Like, and it's questionable where we have like the midfield profiles to do that. I mean, I I think it would mean maybe Isco in midfield or, or something like that. Um, but you can't play so deep with the midfield line. Um, I mean, it's part of the reason why we're so good against like super high presses, but against deeper defensive structures or even like medium blocks and stuff, it puts a lot of onus on Benzema to help break lines. Um, and, and that has to change a little bit with Hazard. Hazard helps, but he mainly does it in the left half space. An interesting thing is he, at Real Madrid, he's just roaming a lot less than he did at Chelsea. So I think maybe another, you know, tactical thing to include is if Jovic is going to play have Hazard go more centrally to kind of take up those goals but things have to be done like if you just not even Jovic but just speaking of any kind of striker who's elite but doesn't do the things Benzema does I think that's what you have to do I think that's what it would look like and also you know as to how they would practically get game time I guess you'd wait for a moment where Benzema hits a rough patch of form you have to make those changes I, I mean, I don't know if Zidane will ever do that. I've not really seen that from him. I don't think that's he, how he likes to structure his teams, which is why no matter who the options are, he always prefers Benzema. But if we're talking about a way, I think that's the way. All right, let's move on to the last. It's more of a, a statement uh, comment than a question. But uh, Sheikh Atiri says, I don't really have a question. I just want to point out that we've conceded nine goals so far, two more than Athletic and Atletico but less than everybody else, including the Catalan Monsters who've conceded 15. We've conceded six goals in the first four games and then three in the last eight and have had six clean sheets. It's unusual for Real Madrid. It's promising and I like it. 
Now, if we can keep the current offensive streak, the season could really end well. Now, I'm going to say something that might not go well with the Marinidismo family. I love the Champions League. It's great. But I prefer to win the league this year if I had to choose one. We've won one out of... Uh, we've won out twice in the past 10 seasons, and Barcelona is narrowing down the trophy gap in an alarming rate. The good news is that since the golden generation has retired, Barca has had nothing to offer outside Messi. Well, we have plenty to look forward to. Odegaard, Rodrigo, Vinicius Jr. Um, they're all competitors for Ballon d'Or in the near future. Varane is only 26, which is crazy. And Asensio is only 23. My only worry is replacing Gabe's boyfriend, Marcelo, and Luka Modric. Uh, interesting transition year, transition period, era, whatever you want to call it. So, what do you think? Yeah, uh, you're Gabe, not wrong. How, how confident, Gabe, are you that we can replace Marcelo? We, I don't know if we can ever truly not, replace him, but I don't think you can truly replace him. Um, but you know, I wasn't sure we could replace Roberto Carlos either, and you know, we ended up with Marcelo. And and Mendy has shown a lot of different qualities. It, and and I think the critical thing to remember is that you won't replace him quality for quality but what the most important thing you can do is replace him uh with someone who has different qualities that are still also elite and you know mandi appears to have some of those uh i think if you know we we start and if ashraf is is like capable on the left wing he may have some of those i mean it's it's hard but it's not going to be i don't think impossible and i think madrid already has some people in you know, already on the team that could could actually do it so yeah um it'll be an interesting uh interesting to see how it all unfolds as, as, as it uh always is uh covering real madrid kind of seeing the ups and downs <laughs> of of covering this uh beautiful team that we support um let's do patron shout outs before we wrap it up um as you all know patreon.com slash managing madrid again access to bonus shows get guaranteed responses to your questions and trust me don't want to miss the bonus shows because like any big game in the midweek whether it's like you know it's gonna be psg coming up or excuse me or um any any future champions league games or big week big uh midweek games uh, it's all only for patrons over on patreon.com slash managing madrid and obviously, this is like a historic year for covering Real Madrid Lonies. And that also, uh, every Tuesday, Matt Wilty and I, we review the players on loan, how they did this on the weekend. And we we uh, we provide all the analysis for our patrons. So shout out to these $10 plus patrons who uh, support the show. Uh, Mikhail Nilsson, Frederick Sundros, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Adam Dorsey, Leon Stavronakis, Frederick Rantekiro, Christian Gonzalez, Bjorn Salvador, Essa Hariri, Ilian Zako, Yahya Ibrahim, Willie Reed, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Tyler Simon, Sad Omar, Sheikh Atiri, Oluwapamimo, Ola Dunjoy, Christian Toff, Charles Williams, Tarek Sphere, Kunal Tilakar, Marin Myrtle, Tyler Dixon, Raul Gutierrez, Ragab Poluri, Vicky Cohen, Gary Kohut, Sujai Wani, Peña Maridista, San Francisco Bay Area, Brandon Stevens, Casper Moscala, Catherine Fagundo, Zoran Bosnicic, Rafael Servilla, Karen Scherer, Sumanshu Singh, Brennan Powers, Ahmed Almayahi, Rovi Takayev, Amy L, Anthony Armesto, Shabazz Sharapov, Fabian Moreno, Varun, Ashik Bashar, AMB6901, Faisal Hamdan, Muxith Thangal, Graham Gerard, Magnus Lex, Jason Fitz, Solomon Ortiz, and Philip Hammer. I've noticed a couple new ones in there, so thank you for your support. Yeah. Uh, some of you, Gabe and I, had the had the pr- privilege of meeting um, in New York. It was, it was awesome. So hope to meet more of you guys in the future in any upcoming live shows we do. Um, and uh, gentlemen, always a pleasure recording All with right, you guys. Great talking to you guys. And hala Marie. Hala Marie. Hala Marie.